Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, we do have a new series kicking off tonight. Uh, We're going to spend this next month looking at some uh, different questions and and trying to answer them and some different topics that are highly practical, going to be of high value for us. Uh, We're going to be asking and and trying to answer the question. Um, I I think we will. Because God's answer has the, has the, has uh, God's word has the answer for us in there. Uh, what do we do as Christians when and not if, but when panic attacks? And tonight we're going to kick that off with a, a subject that, um, unfortunately for for myself, I know it's an old friend of mine, uh, and, and I think I think it's probably an old friend for for many of you as well. It's just that that old feeling. A fear of the unknown, uncertainty, that unsettling sense that we get kind of deep down in the pit of who we are when we don't know what's around the next corner. I remember the first time in my adult life, I really remember feeling that. It was the summer before my sophomore year of college. Uh, back in fall 2001, if you want to do the math real quick. Uh, and, and a couple weeks before classes began, I went uh, for an afternoon drive. It was a rainy day. It was actually a beautiful rainy day uh, compared to, you know, thinking back with fondness of the rain, uh, uh, you know, given our season here. And uh, out in the country, enjoying some music on the radio. And when my right front tire, it caught uh, the edge of a pothole on a Texas farm road uh, just right, or really it would turn out to be just wrong. Uh, And and my car ended up, instead of on the road, down in the, the middle of a cotton field. And, and I was, you know, I was okay, but I had some bumps and bruises and, and uh, thankfully a nice Texas ambulance, um, uh, a really nice rancher in an F-250 uh, was really close at hand and he picked me up and gave me a ride to the emergency room. And you know what, they patched me up, they, they, uh, they made me feel better, they, they sent me home and, and my parents, they came down and uh, upon the news, they came down from Arkansas, from the Little Rock area where, where I was born and raised and, and they spent a little bit of time with me in my apartment and they gathered me up and we all rode back home, spent a few days there, kind of getting, getting healed up a little bit more. And they were like, all right, it's time to go back to Texas. Uh, so, so I came back down and, and when I got back, I found myself lying in, in my bed, and, uh, alone in my apartment, just kind of looking something in the face that I'd never really looked in the face before. I had just gone through this experience that was unexpected. I hadn't planned on it. And, and it was disrupting my life. I had questions about how the beginning of the semester was going to go, I, all kinds of things. My brain was going in so many different directions uh, to, to wild lengths. And I just couldn't still it. I couldn't quiet it. I remember opening my Bible and reading the, the, the story of the children of Israel walking, wandering in the wilderness, lost out beyond the edges of civilization. And I thought, well, well this could be me right now. This could have been written about me. And, you know, as the story goes, it turned out to be okay. But I remember that feeling because it was the first time I felt it. I was afraid of what was ahead because I really didn't know know what was going to be around the next corner. And, you know, as as I mentioned, a a year in my intro, you you know that it's been a couple of decades since that experience. And not only my, my personal life, 
as I've tacked a few years on, uh, but also my, my work in, in ministry uh, for most of that time has taught me that I'm not alone. I am not the only person who has faced that by a long shot. In fact, it's a very human place to be in. And uh, I was reading an article that came out last year. It's, it's got a great title, you know, get this. It's, Why We're So Terrified of the Unknown. And, and honestly, I thought it would be, uh, could be a book. I was actually surprised at how short the article was. But I thought, I'll take a, I'll take a read at this because you know, the, the thing is that this question, this is something that has bugged us in every academic is- discipline from uh, psychology to philosophy to physics. They've all tried to crack it. So I was like, I'll see what they have to say. And, and it turns out that it was written by a group of psychologists. And uh, they tell us at the beginning of the article something that just resonated deeply with me. Uh, uncertainty can intensify how threatening a situation feels. Uncertainty can intensify how threatening a situation feels. The thing is, is that uncertainty, it, it causes us to, to lose perspective a little bit. We can't look at the situation as, 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 as we really ought to be able to because our brain just starts firing off in every single direction, right? We're trying to figure out what's going on, what might happen here, what could happen there. We want to know. We want to have some certainty. And as the scientists will do, uh, they designed a a few different experiments to kind of test this out. Uh, And there's one that I'm really glad that I was not a part of uh, because I don't like pain. Uh, But... They, they had this, this group of test subjects, and they split them in half, and they, they started taping uh, you know, those little electrodes all over them, and you know nothing is going to go well uh, when a scientist in a white coat walks out and starts taping electricity to your body. Uh, but, but they divided the group into half. Now, everybody was going to receive um, relatively small. The, the article says harmless. I just don't know how much I agree with it, uh, but a little electric shock. It was going to be a little bit of pain, but they were going to be fine. And they told half the group when they would receive it. So half of the participants knew exactly when it was going to happen. And then the other half, they did not tell when it was going to happen. It was going to be unexpected. It was going to be a surprise. And then they they, they hooked them up to machines. You know, they they measured how much sweat was on their skin. They measured their heart rate. They measured their pupil dilation. All those little things that tell that we're stressed out. Now, since I can't let a good pun pass me by without, uh, without giving it a shot, the results of the test were shocking. Uh, I know, thank you so much. And, and what happened is that that group that had the unexpected shock coming, they didn't know when it was going to happen, they just, they just knew it might happen, they were actually highly stressed out in comparison to the group that knew exactly when the shock was going to occur. Now, that's backwards to me. I would expect, so if I had a 50% uh, chance of, of, of experiencing pain, I would expect my, my chances of being stressed out to be much lower. But that wasn't the case. Because, again, that's not how our brains work. We want to know. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's not even really just about the pain, about the situation. It's about the not knowing. Again, it's a very human place to be in. But for us tonight, and here the question is, as, as people who are, are seeking to follow Jesus, um, what are we as, as Christians? What are we as people who look to Jesus? 
what do, we, what do we look to him for, for help in this situation? What does he have to say about fear of the unknown, about uncertainty? Well, thankfully, we're going to open the Bible tonight and find out. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 13 here in a second. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that. So in case you brought one of these paper Bibles uh, that we used to carry around quite a bit uh, with you, you can turn there. If not, you can switch over there in your app or, you know, we'll have the, the, the verses up here on the screen for you too. But let's just kind of set the table a little bit. See, we're at a point in Matthew's gospel where he's just told his disciples about the, uh, predicting the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which put them all in a little bit of a, uh, you know, a tailspin. And then we're, we're right before the scene where his, his, tri- his betrayal and trial and crucifixion, all, all of that begins to play out. So Jesus knows he doesn't have much time. And what he chooses to focus on with his disciples when he knows he doesn't have much time left with them, I think is of utmost, important for, of utmost importance for us. So he tells a, a string of parables that have to deal with uh, his return. And now if, if you think that, that it's hard for us to make sense of that, imagine being one of the people who are sitting with him there and he's talking about his return and, and you're thinking, what do you mean you haven't gone anywhere? <laughs> So it's a little confusing. It takes a little bit of work to read these parables because the, the meaning isn't right on the surface. But as we read tonight, we're going to dig in a little bit and look at the truth that this one contains. At the beginning of Matthew 25, it starts, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all those bridesmaids, they got up and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers to buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now again, it's a parable. Jesus is speaking in figurative terms here, if we want to get to the meaning. Sure, he's talking about uh, some some wedding customs of the day, and and he couches his story in in the form of uh, this bridal party that's waiting on the groom to swing by and pick them up and take them to the party. And, and, and if they're, they're not ready to go, well, he's not going to wait on them. And so they have to have everything in place. They have to be ready to jump in the buggy and get to the festivities because he's got uh, a place where he's going and he's going to get there. Now, if we're going to dig down and kind of find some of the meaning, like, what does this mean for us? How does this touch on where we are today? 
then I want to kind of focus in on the lamps and the oil and not take it literally. Uh, again, Jesus, here, please hear me say this. Jesus does not want you to leave this place and go buy an uh, antique, uh, ancient lamp and a, and, a, and a jar of oil and walk around with it, right? Or maybe even its modern equivalent and a flashlight and some batteries. Uh, the thing is, is that those stand for very important things. And in the history of trying to figure out what this means, a lot of interpreters have focused really just on the oil. In fact, one of the, the main interpretations that's kind of floating out there is, uh, goes all the way back to the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther about 500 years ago, where he identified uh, the oil. Surely, Jesus is talking about faith. The oil is faith. And what we have to do is make sure that we replenish our supply of faith so that we don't run out before the end, right? It's actually not a bad interpretation. I don't, I don't take issue with it. Then there's another main option that, that seems to be kind of more modern uh, with, with biblical scholars. If you open up modern commentaries, you find this one all over the place. And it's, okay, surely the oil, it represents good works. And this lines up with so much of, of what Jesus said here and here and here and here. And, and, and the trick to this is replenishing, you know, kind of recommitting uh, to, to good works so that, so that we're still doing those when Jesus returns and, and we're found to be you know, in good standing. Again, I, I don't necessarily take issue with it, but I do think there's a little bit better way to read it if we take the lamp and the oil together. Because you see, in our tradition where, where our, our church teaching comes from, uh, we really like to emphasize the importance of both faith and works together that we need both. And James in the New Testament says that. You know, it says, hey, if, you, if you'll show me your faith without works, that, that's, a, that's a dead faith. It's really not much use. So it's important how we see, that we see how those things fit together. And so for our purposes tonight, the lamp represents our faith. Okay, the lamp is faith, and the oil is a continuation of good works. And when those two things come together, what we get is something called faith working itself out in love both to God and to the world around us. And that's important for us to grasp when we're trying to tackle this question, what do we do when we're afraid of the uncertain? Now, if we're gonna, because if we're gonna look this fear of the unknown right in the face, then we've gotta tackle this question of faith first. And, and a lot of us in this room, we know what the Bible has to say about faith. Um, I, I got a few examples up here. Now, this is not comprehensive by any means. I picked a few verses that I think cover a lot of the bases. Uh, but we know in Galatians that, that we're justified by faith. You know, we're put into right relationship with God by faith. We read in Proverbs that we're supposed to trust in the Lord or have faith in God with all of our heart and lean not on what we understand. And in Matthew, Jesus says earlier in the same gospel here, uh, because of faith, we're not really even supposed to worry about tomorrow. And those are all very high bars to live by, of course. It's kind of one of those like easier said than done situations, right? But the question that kind of looks us in the face with this is, uh, do, do I, do I really believe that, that I can trust God to provide everything I need uh, now so that I don't have to rely on myself. Because friends, that's a shallow well when I get to relying on myself, to be sure. There's a, a story of a, a gentleman named Charles Kettering that illustrates this point. That if we rely on what we know, what we already have in hand, 
that we, we run the risk of missing out on maybe the best answer of the best outcome. See, Charles Kettering was a director of research at a little company called General Motors uh, back in 1920 all the way up to 1947. Now think about that. Working in the automotive industry uh, in its early days, mid-career he faces something called the Great Depression, which severely uh, impacts the, the demand side of the market. And then a few years later, he, he experiences this little thing called World War II, which uh, severely <laughs> impacts the supply side of the market. So this guy had a desk where a lot of big problems ended up. And it was up to him and his team to kind of engineer some way out of it and find the answer when everybody else looked at it and they had no clue what to do. And so he came up with this little rule. Now, there's a caveat here. He talks about a slide rule, okay? So for uh, those in a young enough category not to know what a slide rule is, uh, basically iPhone, iPad, calculator, a computer, something that does the math for you, okay? This is basically a pre-digital calculator. No good engineer would leave home without a slide rule, okay? So he says, uh, when I was research head of General Motors and wanted a problem solved, I'd place a table outside the meeting room with a sign leave slide rules here. If I didn't do that, I'd find someone reaching for his slide rule. And then he'd be on his feet saying, boss, you can't do that. You can't do that. How often do we live by those words? How often does that direct our course? I can't do that. When I'm relying on myself, what's familiar to me and what I know, what I can touch with my hand and see with my eye. I use the word can't quite a bit, if I'm honest with you. But thankfully, the author of Hebrews, uh, over in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, gives us a picture of how this connects with faith. Now, again, it's a familiar passage. We won't read all of it. Uh, we recognize the beginning. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. But look where he ends up at the end. In the context of what talking about what faith is, he points us back to the creation, to this God who made something out of nothing, had nothing to work with, but God spoke it into being. That's who he introduces us to. And, and God the creator, who takes our nothing and makes something, that's the first thing we actually learn about God in the Bible. If you pick up your Bible and open up to page one and start reading in Genesis, that's the very first thing we learn about God's nature, about who God is. That God isn't bound by those limitations that we're bound by. That God doesn't play by the same rules. And so as followers of Christ, that's, that's the faith that we need to tap into. That's the faith that encourages us to take our fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, and, and, and let God turn it into kind of a holy curiosity, which is a lot different. Imagine for a second, instead of being afraid of what's around the next corner, in those moments of uncertainty, imagine instead of seeing that moment as an opportunity for God to do something. It's an opportunity for God to show up and work and act and do what God does, despite what I think I can do in that moment. It's a much different mindset. It's a much different heart set. And that's, that's the kind of faith that we're talking about tonight. Because see, the thing is, is we know how the, the story ends. Our text tells us that the bridegroom shows up. 
I'm not talking about the faith, uh, what, do we believe the end of the story or not tonight? What I'm really helping us focus on is, is the faith that it takes for us to get there, the faith that, the journey, that we're going to need on the journey with every step along the way. Because again, the bridegroom's going to show up. But the key for us tonight is learning to rest in the assurance that God is going to give us what we need, that God is going to provide for us along the way, even if it's something that we cannot see yet, even if it's something that we do not yet understand. Now, we've, we've talked about the, the lamp part, faith. I'm going to move us pretty quickly into talking about the oil, the good works. Not that they stand on their own because good works are only any good if they emanate from a life of faith and from the transformation that Christ offers us and coming into relationship with God. When our good works flow from that, they become something holy that we can offer the world. And, and I'll tell you, it, it can be a little scary when we step over into this, when that faith turns into faith working itself out by love, both for God and for the world around us, because we quickly leave boundaries that we feel pretty safe about, that we feel pretty good about. So let's address kind of the safer area first. What we need in working, faith working itself out by love is, is exactly what we're doing here. Continuing to be in relationship with God and relationship with other here in the church. We need to come to worship. Hebrews 10 uh, tells us that we should not forsake coming together because we need to experience the encouragement that we all receive when we do this. When we come in here and lift our praises to God, when we uh, put our hearts before God in prayer, when we open scripture together, when we attend Christian fellowship, when we, if we go to a Bible study or Sunday school class and get involved in that discipleship process that shapes us and sharpens us and hones us, yeah, we, we need that. We need, I know I need, that life of private devotion, of reading scripture and, and getting in the prayer closet and continuing to stay in contact with God in that way. I need that on a daily basis or else I look out at the world and I have no clue what to do. see, the thing is, is that we also need to get to a place where we realize that we've got to leave the worship service and we've got to leave the Sunday school class. We've got to leave coming and having communion together, which is what we're going to do here in a minute. We've got to leave the prayer closet. We've got to go out into the, that scary world out there beyond. And I'll tell you, that's when the fear of the unknown often begins to set in. Now, uh, rather than tell you about uh, kind of the heroes of the faith of the past, I want to tell you about some of the heroes of the faith of the present. Uh, now, I don't mean to beat a dead horse. I know we've all heard buzz about middle school and high school mission trips this summer, uh, but I want to repeat a little bit of that that's more personal for me. Um, I did go on high school mission trip, but not, it's not about me. It's about somebody who lives in my house who went on middle school mission trip. And she went out there. She's 13 years old. She uh, had a lot of fun doing a lot of hard work in the Arkansas heat and humidity. And when she got home, she kept telling me about this, this woman that she was helping. She was, this woman had like 16 dogs and cats. And of course, that is the way to my daughter's heart uh, if you have puppies and kittens around. Uh, <laughs> except for the puppies and kittens we have at our house for some reason. Um, but she just spent time with this woman, caring for her, encouraging her taking the love of Jesus uh, that is very tangible with her, out there with her. And when she came home, it wasn't all about, hey, I did a bunch of hard work, because they did. I witnessed, I witnessed a lot of it. 
Instead, it was about, hey, we went out there and took the love of Jesus with us. And when we came home, we left some of it there so that, it, so that what we did could continue to change their lives. I think that's really powerful. If we could be the kind of people who tap into faith and let that work itself out in love, then folks, what it does is it helps us change our perspective. And that's what we're really talking about tonight. I'm not telling you that, hey, Jesus says bad things aren't going to happen. Unexpected things aren't going to happen. The thing is, is that when they do, we have a choice of how we respond. Are we going to continue to be afraid like I have been so many times? Or will we be people who put that faith, that gift of faith into action and focus not, not just on, you know, not on the future, on the scary future, but if we focus on the holy present, what God's doing right here, right now, through us, oh, it changes everything. And so the question before us tonight is, are we going to be that kind of people? Are we going to open our hearts and our, our ears up to the Lord and be willing to be present and be used? I'll take our eyes off the scary stuff real quick, I tell you. And when the scary stuff shows up, it really kind of puts it into perspective. Now, as, as we get ready to close tonight, I wanted to invite us into a moment of prayer together. It's a very familiar prayer um, that, that I want us to pray together before we end. And the words are going to be up the screen. I'm going to kind of walk you through it because I think it's important that this is the place that we settle into. Again, can't change the fact that tough stuff's going to happen, unexpected stuff's going to happen. But if we can have a tool like this to help us to remember who God is and what God is doing in that moment, and that's something that we can leave this place with here tonight. So I'm going to start praying, but I invite you all, and even if you're at home, pray this with us. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, trusting that you will make all things right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you pray? God, we give you thanks for the opening of your word tonight, for the opportunity to pray and worship and come in this place. And Lord, also for the opportunity to come to your table and receive these gifts of bread and wine, these gifts of body and blood, so that we may receive from you and be changed in this moment. God, for all of us who entered this place tonight, who are facing uncertainty, we, we're dealing with fear, God, I pray a peace over all of us. Help us to be assured by you not by us, but by you, that you're present, that you're at work, and that you are guiding us through, giving us what we need. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.